fire babble. Welcome to the bonfire. Exploring magic with two modern witches. I'm Corey. And I'm the third witch, Conowen. Hi. <laughs> Three witches. Ooh. <laughs> Let's get around a cauldron and quote Shakespeare. Yes. <laughs> Welcome back, Conowen. It's so Thank good to you. see you. As always. It is so good to be here to talk about the beginning of this diacal year. And also just wonderful to see you both because I love you both. I feel mm. like we just did this. <laughs> I do too. It's because we did. did we, we did. Yeah. It was, it was like just like a ago. couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Because, hey, everybody, we are recording from the past. <laughs> so here's the big thing. We're recording two episodes before March 7th of 2023. And March 7th is supposed to be like this huge, big shift and change, right? And we're so excited about it. Because Conowen needs to record a little bit early because of... We're having either a baby Gemini or a baby Cancer. It's left up to the universe right now, but one of them is going to be here in, in June. So, Woo-hoo. yeah, she's, she's pregnant gonna be busy. again. She's going to be busy cooking a person Another in her belly. One. Another one. So. Yeah. 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 So now first baby has a second baby to grow up with and be siblings with. Yes. I just love that. I do, too. Baby Aquarius needs a friend, right? All you Aquarians get it. He's like, I I need a social life. Give me a sibling. That's what we're doing. And I'm very excited. We're very happy. Yeah, we're incredibly excited for you and incredibly excited that you wanted to get these all wrapped up because I've been looking ahead at my time passages and I think I understand things. So I'm going to listen in and see if it lines up with what I have predicted for myself. So nice. Still, I know, Corey, you can, the chart with all the little symbols and everything, thank God that Time Passages has the little cheats because I still cannot read that chart, it's no matter t- how hard I try. I just, I'm like, wait, what? I It takes me five or ten minutes and so I need to just make myself do it but I keep cheating and going to yeah just tell me (laughs) he spent the developer of that program who I've met really nice fellow but he he spent a long time putting all of those descriptions in and has some of them on Eris I believe you know the planet essentially Eris he's kind of an expert on that and so definitely recommend time passages and if you're interested in Eris energy which is very like super strong feminine like I mean, she's mm. goddess of chaos, right? If you're interested in that sort of take on it, he's one of the leading voices in Eris astrology, which is very cool. And I didn't even know that when I downloaded the program, but I went in and read all of mine because I was like, I have to know more. Oh. I definitely recommend Time Passages. I've loved it. And, you know, his descriptions are really great. And whatever you resonate with, like, I find myself resonating to a lot of it. Yeah. It's not cheating. It's all good. <laughs> I do as well. But I have to say, I do look forward to talking making appointments with you and talking with you and going deeper because you can only get so much from, and he is a great writer. I do love his writing. Dennis got me hooked on a new website that I look at every other day or so now. Which one? The one that I applied for. So it's really cool and interesting and it's been really fun, but nothing beats about it. Yeah. Nothing beats talking to someone. No. So it's very nice to talk to you. And you are my favorite astrologist to talk to oh, you're too on one, and that's not a joke because it's not. Yeah, from yeah. my own personal experience, I agree. It's helpful to sort of bounce back and talk to and get a real feel with an astrologer. I mean, I'm I go to see my astrologer every month too. I'm not the end all be all by any means. Just talking with an actual astrologer, so much is gleaned from that. If y'all haven't already, I'm not taking readings currently, right? Because we're prepping for Babyland. Um, I'm looking, by the way, summer 2024 is sort of what I'm planning, maybe earlier, maybe later. I will make announcements on that in terms of giving readings out. But I just want you all to know, I definitely recommend getting a reading if you ever can, if you can afford it, because it can really, for me, it changed my whole life and my trajectory of my life. And that's why I'm doing this now. But, you know, it can be very, it can be very healing and very validating. That's so cool. Well, shall we hop into Aries season? Pop is a good word. Pop <laughs> into spring equinox. Here we are. <laughs> Happy Astara, right? Happy Aries season. Happy birthday to all my Aries out there. Aries season. The babies. Right? The babies. The little Don't ones of the Zodiac. Although, not to infantilize you because you all are some fierce motherfuckers. <laughs> 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 season this year is going to start on March 20th. The sun will reach Aries at 2.24 p.m. Pacific time. 
And the chart we have for the ingress of the sun, we kind of look at as like to give us the flavor of what the season's going to look like. And to me, you know, in a cartoon where like they're about to go over the side of a cliff, but like you watch them like hold on to that branch and then it goes like creak and then like let's go and then you fall off the cliff and you're like, Wee, you know, down down the slide. That's kind of how I'm feeling about this area season, because while we are like there, we're ready to fall, we're ready for the ride. There's still something kind of holding us back. <laughs> and so it's like mm. a new beginning for sure coming, but we still have this like lingering pulling back that we're kind of wrapping up these old stories and boxing up and cleaning up the stuff in the past so we can actually move forward. We're going to have the sun sextile Pluto when the season starts and Pluto will be sitting at the 29th degree of Capricorn. So that's that sort of past that we've been dealing with, the wrapping up. We talked a lot about this in the last episode, but just that sort of crisis energy that Pluto is sitting in because it's the very last light of Capricorn. Venus, though, is sitting on the North Node, which is really beautiful. I mean, it's going to be <laughs> very happy in her placement in Taurus on the North Node. She's bringing us like hope and the future and the things that we're trying to grow towards and work towards. So again, we see that pathway ahead of us, right? And then we have a moon, which will be a dark moon, sextiling Uranus at this time. So this is kind of bringing in more of that inspiration, that need to rebel and revolutionize our life. So it really feels like, you know, our attention is on this future and growth. And we're recognizing that these chapters behind us need to close in order for us to actually move forward. So we're charging ahead bravely. And we are ready to get a little uncomfortable because I think we're going to know like, yeah, this is not this is new. This is different. Like we're in new territory now. And it's not going to feel familiar. And that's okay. So I hope that you all are feeling comfortable and excited for that because I certainly am. And the planets are going to be all moving direct all season long. So all of our major planets, everything's moving forward. Oh, my gosh. That energy is going to be intense. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Holy shit. Yes. Yes. And we have a season. The sun will be ruled by Mars, right? Mars is the ruler of Aries. And Mars is going to be sitting in wild Gemini out of bounds, which it has been in since August 20th. And it will move into Cancer, which will be a big tone shift. I think we'll really feel that tone shift. And we're going to talk more about that when I get to Mars and Cancer. But for now, Mars is hanging out in Gemini, doing its out of bounds, indecisive, let's do it again, let's do it again energy. And it's a lot of like sort of that frenetic busyness that I think we've all been feeling. But there's a lot of anticipation around this. And of course, like we've had in seasons past, we're going to start off the season with a new moon in Aries the very next day. It's at zero degrees of Aries, so super, super potent. And it's at 1023 AM will be exact. And the new moon is also still in that sextile with Pluto. So again, that's sort of pulling the energy from the past, like we're wrapping up those old chapters, we're moving forward. There's a huge Aries stellium in the sky at this point. So, so much new beginnings energy that that seed has just sprouted from the ground and all of the potential that that holds is really what the season is bringing to us right out of the gate. But it will be square to Mars and Gemini because Mars is at the very end of Gemini. Thank goodness. <laughs> We're ready. We're ready for Mars to sort of wrap up its story in Gemini, I think. So what I always recommend for everybody is check and see where is zero degrees Aries in your chart. It's actually just a really good place for you to know internally if you can memorize it because Zero degrees Aries is a very potent point in everybody's chart. It's very transformational and it's a world point because it's that beginning of a new season, right? And so the earth is experiencing a new season. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. And then like the hand was up and the five was up and yeah, of course. And Dada, guess what's in your fifth house too? So you guys, right? <laughs> So you both have it. Yeah, you both have it in your fifth house, which of all play houses to have it. That's like such a lovely house. That's house of joy and creativity and like self-expression and childlike, you know, everything. So literally children, but also can just be you acting like a child and that that joy, that sweetness that life brings. That is that house. Also like love affairs, like think romantic, like movie, like Disney movie vibes. Like that's that's the fifth house. So that's where your new beginning is starting. So beautiful treat yourself, like bring in that joy this year because you really have an opportunity to start the zodiacal year off. This is what all astrologers celebrate as our new year. So if you didn't get those new year's resolutions or you didn't really vibe with the new year, maybe this one will vibe a little bit more with you. 
And personally, I'm having it in my first house, which I'm not really surprised because I'm already out of breath. But like, (laughs) the first house is that body. So I'm kind of looking at that like, okay, I'm going to be starting my third trimester or being in my third trimester. What's that going to feel like? I've got to probably come up with some new goals around that. And hopefully there's a vitality and an energy there that I can bring to whatever I want to manifest for myself, you know, the house, the first house being the house of self in that season. So if you don't know already, check and see where zero degrees Aries is in your chart. That's where that new moon, that new story is beginning. And then whatever that house represents, you can just look that up online really easily and sort of get a gauge for like maybe some of the magic you want to do or where you want to put your focus. So if you're looking at like for you specifically, you're going to want to look at your natal chart. Yes, of course. And so that that's going to be really your direct story. This is why astrology I think is so powerful because you have this window into what's affecting you personally. So that is your natal chart, which is calculated from your time of birth, date of birth, and place of birth. And then if you're interested in how it's like affecting the collective, you can look at just the chart of whatever city you're in. So whatever the chart looks like. And you may see how that might like play out in a larger way. So if if that new moon is happening, say, I don't know, in the 11th house, you might see new community organizations building up and new friendship circles or new social circles. So it can look like something that's even bigger than ourselves. But for that direct influence, I would look at the natal chart. So then pretty much right out of the gate, we're going to have, so we've had this Pluto energy that we're still kind of holding on to before we fall down the cliff. But March 23rd, just a couple days later, Pluto will enter Aquarius. And this is one of those huge transits in the year. Dada, I know you mentioned March 7th, which is another big day. Of course, we talked about that in our last episode. I would argue March 23rd is the next really big day. So lots of power punching like transits happening in March. But Pluto entering Aquarius is a very, very big deal. Pluto will be in and out of Aquarius, but mostly in Aquarius all the way until 2044. That is 20 years, folks. So it is a big new chapter. And I think we are already starting to see, I mean, how many people have been wondering about the quote, you know, UFOs and aliens popping up? What have I been saying for the last like a year? (laughs) It's like the aliens are coming. Oh, yes, actually. Well, what's interesting, right? Pluto for us right now, as we're recording, is still in that Capricorn. And I think all this like conversation is popping up around these UFOs. And we might be like, oh, okay, that's actually something Capricorning and grounded, like structural things that we know what this is. Okay, never mind, right? But it'll be really interesting to see when Pluto moves into Aquarius, some of this stuff we're finding. Is it actually like, you know? Yeah, right? There's there's still hope, folks, for the aliens. <laughs> if if that's something you're into. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Pluto entering Aquarius is a huge, huge deal. This is definitely gonna feel like a tone shift, but it's a it's a slow moving tone shift, right? Because Pluto is really gonna move very, very slowly. So I think just sort of start to pay attention around March 23rd worldwide, what we're starting to see in terms of news. And I mean, Aquarius is communities, organizations, hopes, dreams, wishes. It's a lot of like this social energy. And then of course, technology as well. So be aware of how you're engaging with technology, seeking out new communities and tribes. Try to free yourself from any like corruption that you're facing in your groups or ulterior motives from friends and communities themselves that you're part of. And really, Aquarius is about embracing yourself with all your quirks and eccentricity in the knowledge that you and we are all one and we all feel like 
misfits on some level, right? There's a, there's a unity in that. So it's recognizing that. And I think if we can start to gear ourselves toward that mentality with Pluto moving into Aquarius, we can move this in a very healthy way. But if you're keeping cognizant of all the stuff happening around you, you might start to see the beginning of this story playing out. Now, Pluto only will be in Aquarius for about two months, and then it will retrograde back into Capricorn. So we're not done with the Capricorn story yet, but now we're starting to see like that sunrise is starting to come up over the horizon. And so we're going to start seeing this new story come into place. And that March 23rd date is the first time this happens. So it's a big deal. Then we have a couple of really nice transits actually leading into uh, the full moon. I actually really like this Aries season. I feel like lately we've had a lot of a lot of sort of chaos or feeling under overwhelmed or lots of things happening. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> but thankfully, like two days later, Mars is going to enter Cancer. We've we've been dealing with Mars and Gemini since I said August 20th, and then it went into retrograde. So it's been there for like it's going to have been there for nine months. Mars retrograde patterns a little strange because it'll spend a long time in one sign and then zip through a bunch of signs. So with this tone shift, Mars and Cancer energy, Mars isn't as comfortable in Cancer. People consider that to be Mars's fall. But I look at it as it's mama bear energy. It's protective. It's defensive, right? That's where the action and the aggression can be. So sometimes that can come off as like the passive aggressive energy. Like you should know I'm nurturing you. Like why aren't you nurturing me back, but not having that conversation and expecting that of others, right? So that can be where Mars acts like a pretty immature, right? And we have to watch that with ourselves because Mars will be there and it will still be out of bounds. So when Mars is out of bounds, there's... (laughs) Think of it like on Mars on acid a little bit, right? And so it really exemplifies that energy. And it's um, it's probably gonna, you know, we might see more crimes of passion. We might see more just like, you know, people protecting themselves in a way that maybe is like to the rest of us going like, what the hell? Like, what are you so afraid of? Or that defensiveness, those like hackles really being jacked up. Like that's kind of the energy of Mars and Cancer. But it's going to feel very different from the Mars and Gemini we're all used to. And I think in a way, we're going to kind of settle into this because Mars is nurturing and more defensive in a good way as well in Cancer. It's protective. The United States has Mars in Cancer natally, actually, if you think about that. So, you know, if, if that's helpful. But really, I would think of it like the crab, right? That, that Mars energy, that crab is protecting its inner self, right? And so putting that shell on and putting that defensiveness on. Um, can be very beneficial if you're protecting your loved ones and you're protecting yourself, but it can also, you know, it can hurt. <laughs> so just be aware of that. But I think the tone change is something that we're all ready for. Corey, I love the crab compression. Beautiful. Fantastic. Oh. <laughs> I always find personally that hits really home with me too. So I bring it up because it it feels like a direct like hit. (laughs) Yeah. Precisely. Indeed. Yes. (laughs) And cancer is going to make us want to kind of hide our way in our shell a little bit, I think. So it's that's why it's so important to voice that and to not also like not let yourself become this thing that everyone's dependent on and then all of your needs just slip away because that creates that bitterness, right? So it's going to be so important that we, you know, (laughs) watch out for that when Mars moves into Cancer on March 25th. But again, I do think this is going to be this is going to probably feel really nice after the last few months we've had. So um, at least I'm choosing to remain positive about it. But those are some of the things to be aware of. March 27th and 8th, we're going to follow this up with Mercury conjunct Jupiter in Aries. This is like, oh, I love Mercury conjunct Jupiter because these are really two very positive and kind of zany planets. They're in Aries. They're talking, they're communicative, and they're like, let's have big dreams and big ideas and share big news. This could be really good luck or really good news, a really good idea or inspiration that comes to you. But just be aware because it is in Aries, and Aries can be a little blunt and a little bold and a little forward. 
sometimes this can be saying too much, right? Jupiter expanding that Mercury and being like, let's just say all the things or maybe come out and say exactly what the truth is. And then it hurts a little bit. And it's like, ouch, did you mean to say it that way? So remember to act with some compassion with that enthusiasm. The enthusiasm is good. Bottle it, use it for sure. And we also have at the same time when Mars is in Cancer, it's going to be trining that new Saturn having just moved into Pisces, which I really like for that. To me, that stabilizes it a bit and also kind of helps stabilize the Saturn in Pisces, which is going like, this is new territory. Like, I don't like being in the ocean. Saturn is very much foundation and now there's no foundation. So Mars says like, come here, like, give me a hug. (laughs) Let me feed you and let's like build our defenses together. So there's a nice energy of connection and relationship to those two. And a really lovely trine so that water energy is moving very freely. So connecting with water, actually, water and fire, I think, you know, while they're opposites, if you can connect with those energies at the end of March, um, I think you'll find a lot of help with that. Yeah, that was not in my notes. (laughs) I just said that. Yeah, no, I just felt like saying that. I felt like, oh, look at that. There's the elements right there. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we've just talked about the beginning of March, and now we've just talked about the end of March as well. So we're, we're living in multiple realities of time, which I love. That's perfect, right? <laughs> time does not exist. And then... <laughs> Let's talk about the beginning of April, too. So um, at the beginning of April, we've had these nice transits, I think, sort of leading us into this slowing down energy, this sort of getting to know our feelings and and just like getting comfortable with these tone shifts and trying to find our footing a little bit. And then Mercury is going to enter Taurus, giving us more of that Earth energy, that grounding, and it will be immediately conjunct the North Node. So the North Node is going to be sitting at the beginning of Taurus for quite a while, and we're going to see a lot of planets as they move into Taurus are going to immediately be conjunct with that. So Remembering that our North Node is like what the collective is growing towards as well as like what our ourselves are like having to expand and get out of our comfort zone in order to grow towards because it's that next lifetime or that next place we're moving towards. It's full of hope and positivity. It's it's the lessons that we're meant to learn in order to strengthen us and empower us. So when all the planets interact with that, that's kind of giving and breathing hope into a whole collective. So Mer- Mercury is going to enter Taurus and immediately be conjunct the North Node. Venus will also be in Taurus and she's going to be in a lovely, like comfortable sextile with Neptune. And Mercury is going to be also conjunct. And Mars will be sextile of those nodes as well. So that's lending energy and vitality to whatever it is we're thinking up of, okay, this is my dream. This is how I make it tangible, right? Earth energy, how I manifest this in a physical way. And this is where I'm working toward. Mars is lending its energy to actually making that a possibility. So there's a lot of energy around these new beginnings, talking about these new beginnings, attracting in our dreams, right? That Venus-Neptune conjunction, that Venus-Neptune connection, and taking action toward our hopes and wishes, which brings us to, on April 5th, the full moon in Libra. And I like this full moon 
Uh, it's a 9.35 p.m. on uh, April 5th, and it will be at 16 degrees Libra. So look where 16 degrees Libra is in your chart. This full moon is another full moon in relation to Chiron. We've had a lot of full moons in relation to Chiron. So this, because it's Libra Aries energy, it's really the you and the me, the relationship of us and the relationship to self. So in relation to Chiron, we're exposing these wounds, we're sharing with others. There's, again, a need for healing, illuminating our inner thoughts. And because it's that Libra other or you and then the Aries sun, which is self, it's an exploration of taking our relationship seriously and sort of deciding what it is we actually need or what we want and how we're moving forward. And what I love about this is Mars and Saturn are in this gorgeous trine to the south node. So there's a real potential here for like moving forward with compassion, using the gifts and the lessons that we've learned to make that better way forward. So we're kind of taking stock of all the stuff that's come into like, okay, here's my relationship with self. And here's how I relate to others and how do I want to proceed forward in a healthier healing way. So I like this full moon. (laughs) It's nice to have one of our friendlier full moons. So Corey, do you know where yours is? Because, you know, it is. Look at you. (laughs) And Denny, yours is, it's all good. I have yours. I have yours right here. So you're good. Yours is in the 11th house. You guys have similar charts, just so people know. So they're kind a lot of times there's overlap. But in this case, there's not. So Corey, for you, that 12th house is it's kind of that big unknown house. It's very spiritual. It's all the things you can't touch physically or see, but you can feel. Uh, it can be unknown things that are like, I mean, people used to think that enemies were in that house for that reason, because it's the unknown, right? Um, but it's also just like the whole universe. So kind of taking in that spiritual approach to that relationship of self and to other. And then data for you in the 11th house this is kind of more on the nose where it's like literally you your relationship with self and then other being communities, organizations, friendships, and groups. That's what lives in that house. So I think that probably will be very clear to you where, Corey, you might want to spend a little more time meditating just to sort of get into that space of, you know, what is your relationship to universe? Because that's a much bigger question, right? So you can see how those like slight differences make a big difference in the chart. That's going to be on April 5th. Oh my God. I love it. Congrats. For sure. Yeah, totally. Cool. And mine's going to be in my seventh house, which is very Libra. (laughs) Oh no, it's fine. No, it's not. It's not meant to be sad. And I'm sorry that they came off that way. It was more like, (laughs) I mean, Libra and and the seventh house are kind of synonymous, which is why I said that. And so, you know, Libra is in my seventh house. So there's, it's literally the house of relationship, right? And so really, it's relationship to spouse or to a business partner, but it's that close relationship. So I'm looking at that full moon being like, okay, like, maybe like, let's talk with the husband and like, see what's going on. I'm going to be very pregnant and things are going to be exposed and talked about and hopefully healed. And you know, some other fun stuff might happen. Full moon, things get crazy, you know, right? (laughs) So right after that, we're going to have a couple days later, we're going to have Venus entering Gemini, which brings another tone shift. Venus in Gemini is kind of zany and wacky and weird. She's indecisive. She doesn't really know what she wants to attract, but she kind of wants it all. But then there's also this like, I mean, Gemini energy is very like black and white back and forth, you and me, like the duality thing. So it can kind of look like, I mean, I look at like Gemini energy as a whole sort of being kind of this bisexual like atmosphere where it's like you can be both and together or you can be separate and be them both at the same time bouncing back and forth. There's a decision that's like never really being made because why have to choose one when you can have it all? There's a curiosity and a childlike element to Gemini too. So I like Venus there, but she's a little wacky, right? She's a little like, you may not actually get what, she's not as comfortable as she is in Taurus. So when she moves into Gemini, we might feel a little bit of that story of Mars having been in Gemini for so long. Some of that might come back, although not in the same Mars like way where it's just all over the place. Venus is a little like softer in that way. And then, yes, I have. Yes. Yeah, if you know that song, that's what it's all about, right, baby? <laughs> like, and if you don't know that song, it's a great song. You should check it out. <laughs> yes. Yes, uh, indeed. 
With your two feet, right? Gemini, two feet? Yeah. Totally. Yep. Yeah. Shout out to Desi. <laughs> oh, no, I just said shout out to Desi. Venus is great. She's phenomenal. And then with that, we're going to have the sun conjunct Jupiter in Aries, which we love the sun conjunct Jupiter. This only happens once a year, right? Because the sun takes 365 to get around, doesn't go retrograde. So this sun conjunct Jupiter, this is your dose of good luck. This is good stuff wherever you have your Aries energy. Like maybe get ready for some, some vitality in life there and hopefully you get a nice dose of good luck wherever that is because that that's that's it baby <laughs> they <laughs> okay <laughs> so i i love that we're correct yes <laughs> we yes well and and that's precisely what the sun is in the chart it's it's really earth's relation to the sun it's not actually the sun right because we're, we're noticing where the sun is but like physically the sun will never go into retrograde as will the moon the luminaries will never retrograde <laughs> and thank goodness <laughs> for that reason hmm so if you were standing on the sun, which I don't recommend, or the moon, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? So if you were standing on there, depending on where we're seeing Earth, right? Uh, I, and forgive me, I am not an astronomer or a scientist. So like, I'm not, I'm not going to have all the, the actual facts here. But like, I, because I know that the retrograde motion, it, it has more to do with like when the planet is closest to Earth in orbit, it looks as if it is moving backwards in the sky. So it would have to depend on, like, if you're standing on the moon, I don't know what the sun would look like, frankly, in the sky to you, because it might be going, you know, depending on its orbit, but the sun will never go between Earth and the moon. And so, but the Earth would go between the Earth and the, excuse me, the Earth would go between the moon and the sun. So the Earth may actually show up as retrograde. Don't quote me on that. Again, I'm not not an astronomer. <laughs> cool. Please. That's a guess. 10 out of 10. Don't recommend. Oh, it's good. I love it. <laughs> exactly. I feel like every episode when we do a new season, it's like that energy just infuses into us, whether we're in the season or not. But I love it. Yeah. And so we we have another really nice so transit. This so from April fifteenth to the end of every season and beyond it, Saturn's going to be in a sextile with the node. Saturn sits in sextile with the North Node for a long time, which I love. This is like nice, communicative, collaborative, friendship-like energy with the nodes and Saturn. So it's really giving us this solid foundation, self-discipline into whatever evolution we are going through, even with it being in Pisces, which is going to feel very, very different. But I think that that Piscean like compassion and dream and sort of escapism into like imagination, it's, it's going to be bolstered a bit by this really nice uh, energy with the nodes because it's it's lending itself to this very future-oriented thinking as well as a deep reflection of our past. And this is not just our past like childhood, but like past lives and karma and the gifts that we've brought in and what we are evolving from and changing from. So Saturn's going to be sitting there for quite a while because it is going to go into retrograde later this year and it moves very slowly as it starts moving into Pisces. 
So because of that, it just kind of sits in this nice aspect to these notes for a while. And we can really sort of simmer in that energy and decide where it is we're going, <laughs> which is nice. So and then with that, we're going to have a the, the first of our eclipses. The eclipses are coming, as Anne Ortley says, <laughs> one of my favorite astrologers. She's fantastic. But uh, the eclipse season will have started. So there will be a solar eclipse in Aries. So this is now the second new moon this season, right? So the new moons have adjusted to be at the end of the season versus at the very beginning. So the solar eclipse in Aries is going to happen on April 19th at 9.13 p.m., and this one is at 29 degrees. Wah, wah. <laughs> and so that, that 29th degree is that anoretic degree. It's the final degree. It's the crisis degree. It's that like final, final, final light of Aries. So when we have this beginning of the, you know, season Aries new moon that feels really exciting and juicy and like full of potential. This one, <laughs> I don't like this one as much. <laughs> this one is tough. You know, and no hate at all to you if you are an Aries at 29 degrees person, although I'm sure you are going through it right now. And my heart is like, let me give you a hug <laughs> virtually, uh, because it's a lot of, a lot of stuff happening right on that 29th degree. So the solar eclipse happening. Remember, this is when the light of the sun is eclipsed by the moon. So that's our sun's light, our soul's light being eclipsed. And so our moon's kind of standing there, like blocking it. And there's a vulnerability here with the crisis. And how, you know, there can be like this feeling of feeling desperate or very protective of ourselves. That moon, when it's exposed, is like, don't come into my safe space. Like, this is, this is where we get the most defensive is our moon. And it's our like deepest emotions. So that solar eclipse can really like amp that up. And being at that 29th degree in Aries in a square to Pluto, which has just moved into that Aquarius, we're going to probably feel like whatever is happening out there. You know, this may be something that's a world event or an event in your community or an event in your life that leaves us feeling like a little raw. And so that may cause us to come up with this new, 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 new moon story, right, as we move forward and have to deal with this in a way that, you know, we might be feeling kind of very small or powerless or maybe reckless, right? And the action forced and the tension around these like plutonic themes might force us into some shadow works, um, dealing with secrets, manipulation, some controlling figures in our life, past karma, right? And so, you know, I don't want to make this new moon sound super scary and terrible because it may be something that's not happening in your life, but you're contending with, okay, this is, these are the influences around me and this is how I need to proceed forward. So just be aware that that, that solar eclipse will likely be very intense. Mm-hmm. Well, Corey, that's right where it is for you, which <laughs> thank you for leading us into that perfectly. Uh, and so the seventh house for you is relationship. So that's that like spouse relationship or like relationship as a couple. Um, it's the you and me house, right? So it's how you are relating to others. And it's uh, also it can be business partnerships and things like that. So something happening out in the world or perhaps within your own relationship with that person in square to that Pluto. So you got to figure the Pluto, right? That's that all that karma, that shadow work. It's kind of infusing whatever needs to happen in that seventh house. So perhaps it's a change in direction with a partner. Perhaps it's a new collaboration. It can be like completely cutting somebody out of your life, you know, if it needs to be. Um, just kind of looking at those really, really close relationships. Typically, it's reserved for marriage, right? But that's you know, that's where ancient astrology comes from. That's where we've come from with that house. Now it's sort of expanded to be like business partners and, and romantic relationships and other things. <laughs> I was not trying to say cut you out. Oh my God. No, it's more so. I mean, I look at what you guys do, right? And like you're having to factor in a lot of information from outside and it may be something that causes you guys, again, it doesn't have to be negative. You may come up with a new direction for your podcast, or maybe like, you know, how you're going to go about creating it in a way that makes more sense with how you need to live, right? And how to. Yeah. Please. 29 degrees. Yes. 
Proud of you. It's awesome. So it's really close. It's in your sixth house, actually, at least. And that's according to my chart with you in Placidus. You may be looking at a different house system. Just want to make sure. Okay. Yeah. So you're in Placidus. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And I think yours is on one of those, like, I mean, your your cusp of your house is very, very close to that. So I checked yours because you've had, you have a couple transits data coming up that are sort of straddling both. But for you, that six house energy, six house is going to be more of the, it, I think of it sort of as Virgo's house, but it's not quite Virgo. It's more the daily duties, the tasks, the health, um, your health routine. Um, it's all the things that keep you healthy in your home, but it's like what you're doing for that. It's also like pets and an- like small animals and pets. So it's kind of think of it as like your home system and like how you go about your day. So again, something from perhaps the outside may be informing how you want to better shape that system um, because it's also Aries energy. It's very self-centered. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a like you need to center around self. So it's it's taking into account your health routine or your routine in general, just things that you do, those small tasks during the day that make up the larger picture. How can you shape that in such a way that's going to be better for the future? So yeah, right. So these aren't scary, nor horrible things, although I don't want to sugarcoat because I know a lot of people are going through a lot of shit right now. <laughs> so, you know, so I feel you and I see you and I hear you because I'm with you. Um, personally, there's a lot going on. But at the same time, you know, for, for any of you out there feeling a little intimidated by this, like, oh, God, what's going to happen? You know, really take into account, just be aware and and bring attention to those aspects of your life. And if you're feeling lost, then maybe your natal chart can help or getting a reading somewhere, just finding some focus and direction, especially on what resonates with you right now, because that's what matters. If it doesn't resonate with you, then leave it behind. That's always my philosophy. And I love that you brought that up because that's square to Pluto, right? Pluto ultimately is here to test us, to bring us these karmic stories in order to empower us. So that is the whole point. Even though it can be very, very hard at times, like that's the whole point of this is to empower you. So I love that you brought that up. And with that, let's talk about the most magical days this season because, you know, yes, (laughs) I didn't forget (laughs) we are here. I actually have two for you. One of them I really, really like. The other one I like a lot too. Um, but the, my first choice for a magical day is April 4th. This happens to be my parents' anniversary. So I was like, oh, go them. That's great. We love that. <laughs> go mom and dad. Anyway, um, but April 4th, we have the moon in Virgo is going to be trying to that Pluto, also trying to Uranus and Venus. I love that. Mars, Saturn, and the South Node are in a gorgeous grand trine in water. So we have lots of water energy connected to this, a lot of emotion, a lot of depth. The sun will be conjunct Jupiter and Chiron, which we love sun conjunct Jupiter. It's not exact, but it's close enough that I will definitely give it, you know, that boost of good luck and Jupiterian joy. (laughs) I love it. And expansion. And then Venus will be in sextile to Neptune, which is very magical and beautiful. So the energy for this day really, to me, felt electric and imaginative. Uh, There's a lot of potential for healing and expansion here. So, you know, when I say expansion, really like getting curious about things like researching things and seeing like what can maybe heal you from that or just or just like losing yourself in the fun of like learning something new here right and and letting that like passion in your heart guide you to what you want to know and then also there's an element here of using that like karmic past life knowledge or like lessons that you've learned to better yourself and move forward which i think as a whole is something that we're seeing a lot this season and so this day really i think exemplifies in a positive way a lot of these things that we're going to be going through and just a great day to sort of climax like your energy and like bring power to yourself and do some magic around. The other day I have is April 15th. The moon will be on Saturn. So a little bit more sobering, but it's in, uh, you know, it's in Pisces. So it's still very, very magical in that Piscean like oceanic energy, that escapist energy, right? And moon on Saturn is going to bring a stability to the moon where it's, it's a little sober, but it's, it's thinking clearly about like, 
you know, the long-term goals and the work needing to get put in. The mooning, the moon is in its waning crescent phase at this time. Mars will also be sextile Mercury and Venus will be trine Pluto very, very deep. So today, this deep, like this, this day of April 15th to me is a much deeper day. It's a good reflection day, a good protection day as well. Saturn is really exemplifying of protection. So if you need to do some protection work for yourself, um, or like do some deep reflecting and meditating, great day to do that. And because the moon is on Saturn, I wouldn't say like, I mean, it's in Pisces. So if you want to escape and go on like an astral projection, freaking go for it. I'm, I'm no one to tell you not to do it. But I would say, you know, like, that's why I was kind of thinking of the boundaries, the protection, that sort of thing. If you can kind of keep it a little more solid in that Earth energy of, you know, uh, keep thinking of like even that Mars we were talking about in Cancer with that shell, right? That's a water energy that's connection with nature and nurturing yourself and protecting self. But it's a strong energy around water, right? So that's kind of where I would go for for that day and just keep it maybe a little more laid back and a little quieter for yourself. But yeah, those. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Hey, that's gross. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I literally was just wrapping it up. You're fine. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, I was saying that's that's your magical days, baby. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Very soon. You are magic. Woohoo! Yeah, what's up? Okay. <laughs> cool. I love it. Yeah. Are you, yeah. When when do we know to stop? So we'll have the DAW recordings so you can, yeah. Okay. Eclipse. 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 Season. I love it. And that will now, as of this season, Dada, just so you know, now it shifts, right? So before we've had the new moon at the beginning and then the full moon kind of in the middle, now it's going to be after this point, it'll be just full moon in the middle and new moon at the end. <laughs> so now you have that, yeah. <laughs> I love it too. That's great. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's take a break. Like, cool. That sounds great. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, okay. I'll do the same. Totally. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> 